Hey guys, thanks for joining the Paul Bunyan podcast. I think we got a pretty good show for you today as we will be discussing the opening games for both the Spartans and Wolverines as those are coming up on Friday and Saturday. And we will discuss uh, what is more likely, Michigan wins the Big Ten, Michigan State wins the Big Ten, or Chad Latch shows his dong on Twitter. (laughs) All, All that and more on the Paul Bunyan podcast. going to go a little bit more in depth on Michigan and uh, Joe because last uh, last episode you went really in depth on uh, Michigan State and yeah. I kind of end up talking more about the hockey program but um, I'm trying to remember the last time I was this high on Michigan football and I think it was 2016. I'm actually so optimistic it's disgusting. <laughs> you do want to like get your guard up when this is happening. <laughs> I, know, I know we've been hurt in the past by yeah. getting our hopes up. For and even though 2016 ended on kind of a down note, they started off nine and zero. So I feel somewhat like okay with how uh, how optimistic I was. And all three teams they lost to were good. Florida State on a neutral field. Uh, Ohio State was at Columbus, and then at Iowa. And uh, yeah. guess where Michigan's playing Iowa this year? <laughs> uh, I have them at eleven and one, losing one game that they probably shouldn't. My best guess is they would probably lose at Iowa or maybe against someone like your Spartans. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, they could lose to Ohio State, especially since it's in Columbus. Columbus, easy for me to say, but I feel like the law averages. I kind of like them going to Columbus and winning this year. I feel like Michigan's do, um, but I can totally see a scenario where Michigan pulls out a win in Columbus. But earlier in the season, they somehow like lost to like an improved uh, Rutgers or Maryland team just because sports are stupid like that sometimes. Yeah. It's like always expected unexpected. Okay. That's an interesting take. We'll, we'll have to revisit this. <laughs> Obviously like you never know what you're going to see until like, or like how good your team's going to be until you actually see them play. But all right, I, I respect the confidence. Ohio State, just to be clear, is going to be really good. Yeah. Uh, their quarterback play is going to be probably even better uh, because, I mean, as good as it was last year, they had a freshman as a Heisman contender. And I got to think, not that their defense was bad last year, but it's just like with that much talent. Yeah, they started out really bad on defense. Basically demoting their coordinator. Their, yeah. Demoted him. Demoted him yeah. But I mean, let's be real. It was a By the end of the year, they were okay. Not good. Not great. Not bad. Like They hired uh, Oklahoma State's defense coordinator, right? Yep. Yeah, and he should be. It's got, you gotta think it's good. I mean, what's funny about Ohio State is they won the Rose Bowl and went 11-2. and And the teams they lost to were Oregon and Michigan, yep. who both did really well. Uh, <laughs> and they, they're not thrilled about that season at all. No. Uh, I do think the longer Ryan Day is there, like Urban Meyer, despite his personality issues, that's a very diplomatic way to say it. Yeah. Uh, like, Urban Meyer, the past, what, 15 years is probably the second best college football coach yeah. behind Saban. I, th- I think he's better than Sweeney. Yeah. Um, 
I would put him up there with Pete Carroll, who had an amazing run at USC. So, like, as good as uh, Ryan Day is, he might be more Lincoln Riley than Urban Meyer, which <laughs> is, like, the nicest insult you could yeah. ever give to someone. You'll, you'll be right there, but maybe never win the championship. Yeah. But we'll yeah. see. I mean. Or not win two championships or three championships at two different schools. Yeah. Which, you know. Um, also, <laughs> you might not want to get your pitchforks out if you're Ohio State fans because Ryan Days don't grow on trees either. Right. No. And nothing against Luke Fickle, but, like, that would be the guy. I mean, you're taking a bet on him. Luke Fickle's really good, it looks like. But, I mean, you don't know how he's going to run a Power 5 program. Right. Um, It's it's easier to beat East Carolina than it is to beat Penn State, Michigan State, Michigan. Um, Yeah. Anyways, uh, getting to the quarterbacks. Uh, Kane McNamara uh, will start the opener against Colorado State. J.J. McCarthy will start the second game against Hawaii. And then after week two... The team will be making a decision going into week three who the starter and backup is. Yeah. And we were talking off uh, uh, before we recorded with my sister, who really wanted us to talk about that. And you said you would want to go with Kate if you were if, a Michigan man. Yeah, and here, here's my reasoning for that. Um, well, I believe, you know, a quarterback that wins a championship, and I know it's a team sport, but a quarterback that wins you a championship and really they, I don't think they ever lost a game because of Cade McNamara last season shouldn't be replaced until he loses that job. And just knowing the type of offense that Jim Harbaugh historically has run both at Michigan and in previous places, it's really a ball control type offense where you're going to control the line of scrimmage. You're going to make good, like not explosive throws, but you, you will go through for a deep ball when you need to, like you'll kind of build up to that. It can be a little bit stale, but it can also, help you avoid losing games you shouldn't. And I just think Cade McNamara, if I, if I were a Michigan fan, I, I would prefer him because I think he just fits that a lot better than J.J. McCarthy. But J.J. McCarthy is very talented. I think uh, after week two, I'll have a stronger opinion. I was uh, like a Cade defender last year. Yeah. And I think through the first 75, 80% of the season, he was definitely good. But even He's definitely a ceiling for Cade. Yes. And uh, I felt like like he had this great um, – uh, uh, TD the interception ratio yeah. that got worse as the season went on though. He against Iowa, Ohio State, Georgia, like as the competition got harder, he kind of got exposed. And then yeah. we also have to talk about uh which quarterback fits um the makeup of the team better. And they have a talented and deep receiving core. They have so many receivers they actually move Mike Sanders still to defensive back. I saw that. That kind of I, I thought Sanders still was one of the best receivers. But when you got outside. when you have starters like Roman Wilson, Cornelius Johnson and the returning Ronnie Bell, and then you also have Andrew Anthony and AJ Henning who's yeah. going to get some snaps off the bench. It's like can you really afford to have right. six receivers when you also have two tight ends that I'll get to. Yeah. So There's I only mean one ball. Yeah, um and uh Sanders still sounds like he's the third corner who will probably get more playing. Time. Yeah, I yeah. mean third corner is I, basically I thought, a starter at yeah, this point. I just thought Sanders still had like great hands. Like he made a lot of like very difficult catches. And he's really fast too. Yeah. And um, then also like Darius Clemens sounds like he might push for playing time as a freshman. Yeah. Um, so, so I, I mean, I don't have a strong opinion. I was definitely behind Cade. Uh, I mean, you, ha- I think Cade definitely had a better game of Mich- against Michigan State. But then I also think JJ, if he was started against Georgia from the start, like as good as Georgia was, especially that offense in the first half, I feel like JJ, even if Michigan, he couldn't will Michigan to a win there. Like he kept Georgia's defense more honest. And when the Georgia, when you have 
the number one defense in the country. And I think Georgia was, I mean, mm-hmm. just look at their draft. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> like you have to be able to do everything against a defense like that to even have a chance Yeah, and playing, um, playing a really protected type offense. Wasn't uh, going to do it. So yeah. yeah, I guess if, if I thought Michigan was going to win a national championship this year, I would stick with Cade. If I didn't think a national championship was in the realm of possibility for this year, but maybe the next two years, then I would go all in on McCarthy and Cade can hit the portal. That would be my take. I think uh, McCarthy uh, actually gives them a higher ceiling. It just might also give them a deeper basement. Yeah. Like I think you give them a higher ceiling for like the next few years. If, if he were to start right away. I also think it's year. a bit silly. And I know fans are supposed to do this. It's a bit silly to have a super strong opinion when we've only seen J.J. McCarthy play so much. Right. Like, none of us are in practice every day. So it's like, I'm just reading second and third-hand accounts yeah. of what J.J. McCarthy's capable capable of. Like, you can watch all the high school tape you want. Nobody knows how that's going to translate in Col- if he plays in Columbus. It's a right. totally different animal. So, I mean, that's why I don't have a strong opinion. Yeah. I feel like um, after week two, it will be really interesting. Um, I also... <laughs> I guess I haven't done as much research on Colorado State, but like going through Michigan's schedule and like reading previews, like it sounds like Hawaii is even bad for Hawaii this year. So that yeah. might give JJ a little bit of advantage. Um, I'm, but then again, I I'm not as well versed. Yeah. On so Colorado. I wonder if they'll both play in both of those first two games, or if they're just gonna be like the the starters playing the full game. Yeah. So that'll be something to watch out for as well. Yeah, I would think like the starter will play eighty to ninety percent of the snaps. At least that's yeah. what, the way I would do it. Uh, then we get to our running backs. They lose Haskins, but they return Blake Corum, who kind of had somewhat of a breakout season last year, mm-hmm. but he was better early on. Um, definitely played with nagging injuries the last, like, two-thirds, three-quarters of a season. But even with that, he got just under 1,000 yards rushing. But that was also interesting because early on it looked like Corum had, like, was a – like – just a little bit better than Haskins. And then, like, once Quorum got injured, like, Haskins just took over as RB1. Yeah. But, um, I mean, when you have – I think Haskins finished with just over 1,000 yards rushing, and Quorum was right there with 952. Um, and then, uh, also, Edwards, by the end of the season, was taking some snaps, too. And uh, it sounds like it will be a one-two punch with those two. And I expect Edwards to get some looks in the passing game. And, I mean, that's got to have you really excited if you're a Michigan fan. Uh, Eric All and Shoemaker both had good seasons last year. They were both really good security blankets for Cade. You have to think uh, if uh, they would probably prefer Cade as the starter because he really seemed to like them. Yeah. Um, but it's nice to have two tight ends. We talk about two tight ends. They have shown they can really play well. You got five receivers. You have a running back that uh, can uh, catch out of the backfield. I mean, that's kind of yeah, why, in some ways, I'm probably higher on JJ just because I think he might fit better, which is really funny because uh, you asked me, like, last November, I was all in for Cade. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like I said, I don't have a really uh, strong opinion. I think both have upsides. Um, after nearly a decade of bad offensive lines from the Rich Rod and Hoke eras and even early, early Harbaugh, this should be the fifth year in a row that Michigan has a very good to great offensive line. They're returning a crew that won the Joe Moore Award, among other accolades. A lot of them were first, second, or third team in all Big Ten. Uh, 
uh, four of the guys recorded a lot of snaps, uh, including three starters. Um, and then uh, they lose Vastardis and Stuber, but they gain Olu Oluwatamini. Yeah, we'll just call them double O's. <laughs> Olu, a grad transfer from Virginia that was also highly regarded there. Hayes and Jones will be the starting tackles. Keegan and Zenter starting guards. And Olu the starting center. Barnhart and Crippen should also see snaps. Those yep. are the first two guys off the bench. Um, so, I mean, when you take all that in, if they have a really good quarterback play with all of not only a really probably the second best offensive line in the country last year with the receiving group and the running backs, it's really hard to see like this offense not chugging along. If I was to say one weakness is it would be nice to have Haskins back because I feel like he's a grinder. He's a power back. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't really uh, call Corum or Edwards that. Uh, Haskins was a really good red zone back. So I don't know who Michigan's fullback is this year, but I know in the past they've loved giving it to like Khalid Hill or, you know, like Sione Homa or uh, that Ben guy. Ben, ben Mason. Mason, yeah. So I don't know. He would who, be a nice guy. I don't know who their fullback is this year, but maybe he'll get a lot of looks in the red it'll zone. Be all, it'll be interesting who uh, after the first two running backs are, you always see, especially most college programs, they have a third yeah. or a fourth guy they use some. So, I mean, maybe they have a power back on the bench. Um, but, I mean, <laughs> this might be the most talented uh Michigan uh, offense in a long time, maybe going back more than a decade. Yeah. Um, going to defense, losing Hutchinson and Ojabo is huge. But last year was actually one of the worst years for Michigan in recording sacks. And we were talking off air. Like, I really feel like Hutchinson, Ojabo, and Colson or Ross. Junior Colson and Josh Ross, too. Like, there was like some holes. I know we just named a few players. But that was really supposed to be a rebuilding and young year for Michigan, and they really masked it. So that could be a good thing or a bad thing. It means, like, uh, on the pessimist side, you could say uh, losing those two is going to be even worse this year. But the upside is there's a lot of potential there. There's a lot of young guys there. Um, oh, uh, just off, uh, Bruce Feldman. Uh, he actually just named Mozzie Smith as, like, freak of the year. Yeah. And there was, like, all those videos. And uh, and he did, like, an in-depth interview because Mozzie Smith coming out of high school was highly regarded. And he talked about, like, some maturity issues when he didn't get playing time early or some of the snaps he took didn't go his way. He was really down on himself. So there's a chance for uh, him to have a breakout year. Um, uh, there's a lot of young guys. George Rooks, Chris Jenkins uh, should also be getting play time. Uh, should be the starters. And then uh, Mesa Graham and Rashawn Barry should be getting uh, snaps too. You have a lot of young guys, and it's like the potential's there, but we haven't seen it yet from them. Um, you can mean Rashawn Benny. What did I say? Oh, oh, autocorrect changed it to Barry. <laughs> <I'm>... <laughs> That's so weird because Benny's like a more common name. Yeah. Yeah, Mozzie Smith was actually named a team captain. Yes, and that's, that's a good thing. That, that, yeah. That, uh, and, and, I mean, Caden – Came was too. Yeah. yeah, so I mean that could be a tip of the cap. Uh, actually, I should have touched on this. Um, the word coming out of uh camp early on was that it was uh Cade's job. Yeah. So, uh, just to, as a callback to the quarterback uh, debate, uh, I, I, I'll get more to D line later, but that's like a surface level thing. Linebackers, we know Joe, Junior Colson coming off a great twenty twenty one season. Mike Barrett and Mullins should also be starters. Uh, Hill Green is working through an injury, but he is expected to start once he gets through that 
Some are saying week one, some are saying week two. Okay. Uh, defensive backs, Michigan is set at corner by any metrics. Michigan had one of the best secondaries in the country last year. I think pro football focus had them at number one. I would definitely keep them in the top five. Uh, I don't recall who started for Georgia, but their, their defense was so good yeah. that uh, Michigan loses Vincent Grade to the NFL, but he was already being pushed by DJ Turner and Jamon Green. Mike Sanders still, as I said earlier, makes the move from wide receiver to corner as the third starter. Will Johnson's a freshman. He was a four or five star, depending on the service. I think he's their highest uh, rated incoming freshman. If he's yeah. not, he's up there. So I expect the corners to be strong. Safety, Michigan loses two of my favorite recent players, Daxon Hill, who has already been looking amazing in the preseason uh, for the Bengals, and the underappreciated Brad Hawkins. Uh, that could be a problem. Uh, R.J. Moten and Rod Moore got playing time last year. Makari um, Page is also expected. Uh, actually, Rod Moore and Moten at times look really good, especially Rod Moore, um, but they haven't been starters yet. And it feels like uh, Hill and Hawkins, I think they both were three-year starters. Yeah. Uh, def- uh, yeah, Dax and Hill, three years. Um, I think Hawkins, too. So it feels weird to see other players listed at safety for Michigan. Um, I think if the potential at safety and D-lines comes to fr- fr- fruition, <laughs> if they play to the level they can, uh, let's just say it that way, uh, and makes the losses not like seem apparent and significant, then this could be a special season for Michigan. Uh, if not, I could see D-line and safety being weaknesses. Um, they have a loaded offense, and actually there's a lot of talent on defense. Uh, some of it just might not be fully realized, and there could be some experience issues at certain uh, uh, spots. But like I said, um, I feel like eleven and one would be my prediction. I think anything from nine to three to eleven and one would be fair. I think there's four games that uh, you really have to put bullet points next to against Ohio State, at home against Michigan State, at home against Penn State, and then on the road against Iowa. I yeah. mean that's really what their season c- comes down to. And whether you think they go four and zero or zero and four would probably be your prediction. I think there's a chance they win one to three of those. Um, and actually, I think there's a really good chance they win all four, but then they lose to some team you wouldn't expect them to lose to. Yeah. Uh, I don't really have any. Sorry. <laughs> I, was, I, was I was trying to go through that quick because I knew I had a lot to say. Yeah. Uh, what would you? What would your prediction to be? For Michigan? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they'll win a lot of games, probably like their first at least six or seven. So you think uh, they'll beat Iowa? I, I think so. I know Iowa and Knight is, is a different thing. But I just, I think Iowa, kind of similar to how Northwestern does it, will have one really good year and then follow it up with some not so good years right after. And then they'll just kind of bounce back uh, on like an even year. And, you know, they made it to the Big Ten Championship game last year, started off really hot. Like they were ranked as high as number four in the country at times. And I just don't see them repeating that this year. And, they and uh, Penn State had like a disgusting game when both of them were pretty highly rated. Yeah. <laughs> so my guess is I, I think Michigan will win, but it'll be not a fun game to watch. Well, it'll, it'll be a stressful game. I'll say that. But I think Michigan can win at Iowa. Any chance that Indiana bounces back? That's that's their sixth game. Uh, that's really hard to say. I don't know what to make of uh, Rutgers, Indiana, and uh, Maryland. Yeah, Maryland – I. I think Maryland will still be riding their September high by the time they play Michigan because I think that's what week four. 
Yep. But I think Michigan will be the game where Maryland comes back down to earth and then is Maryland. But maybe we're wrong. They they lost a lot of good receivers in like the middle of the year. Like Dante Demas was out, I think, week six or seven last year. And he's back this year. And they're the one team under Harbaugh that like hasn't given like Michigan even a scare. Yeah. Like even Rutgers and Nebraska have even Indiana beaten them. Yeah. First time since like the Reagan administration or something. Yeah. <laughs> in, uh, in, in my completely unbiased opinion right now, like I think Michigan State will beat Michigan, but that's so far away. Like I'm not going to put any money on it. And again, super unbiased opinion. <laughs> um, so like, yeah, I, I can see. I I'd say at least ten wins for Michigan. I think I'd. Uh, I want. I want to see Michigan State's offense line. I want to see Michigan's defensive line, and yeah. I'll have a stronger opinion about uh, that. I just. I I've never seen them win in Columbus, so I'm not sure that it can happen. So I'm not gonna. <laughs> until I see it happen, I'm not gonna say that it'll happen. But I respect the confidence from you. Uh, I've seen them with two really good running backs win in Columbus. So yeah, I mean, I I started watching football though when I was nine. So I started watching in so, 1991 and I was five years old. So uh, I saw Bianca Matuka. I saw Wheatley. I saw uh, Chris Perry. I've seen Anthony Thomas. Yeah. So that though, I mean, it, I also long, think the, long, long, long time. I also think the fact that uh, Ohio state, as good as they've been, I kind of feel like only losing twice to Michigan in like the last 18 years. is somewhat of a anomaly. And I also, feel like um they haven't done it in a thousand days so can they do it anymore <laughs> it's been over a thousand days <laughs> that's, that's my reasoning for uh why michigan state will beat michigan as well of <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no I, I i expect michigan to be solid um but I, I think ohio state will win the big 10 and get to the playoffs and I think everybody else in the big 10 will have at least two losses i think I that's think, just my guess I think uh, uh, Michigan kind of uh, matches up well with Ohio State. Yeah. And that's why they won last year. And in some ways, they were lucky they didn't lose uh, by more because I really feel like Michigan outplayed them in the first half, even if the score didn't reflect – it. Ref- mm-hmm. the score reflected a close game. And the fact that Ohio State could not stop Michigan from scoring until – the garbage time drive that Michigan had where they ran out the clock. Yeah. Um, and I think they have like a starting linebacker called like Ike Eigenberg or something. <laughs> and I think Ohio state definitely needs better play from the <laughs> running backs. If they're going to stop Michigan from throwing. And then um, Ryan day really likes to air it out. And Michigan has some really, really good corners. And I mean, last year they have great safeties too. Yeah. And I, I, it would actually be smart because they have a really good running back. What's Ohio state? Henderson. Yeah. It felt like they should have used him a bit more. I know he wasn't getting a lot of penetration early against Michigan, but it kind of felt like they gave up too early. But if I this year, being at home, having the crowd there, if I was Ohio State, I would try to get a lead and just like depend on uh, Henderson. Yeah. And if you try to just keep airing it out as talented as your quarterback and receivers are, that might not be the game plan. Yeah. Obviously, it's it's so far away. Like, it's after Thanksgiving. Oh, but but um, I recently just, just started getting into football mode. Yeah. So now it's like I'm going all yeah. in. Just the way last year's game went, it seemed like Hutchinson and Ojabo really controlled the game. And then Michigan, it wasn't just Haskins, but obviously like Haskins had the five touchdowns and was a big factor throughout the whole game. 
and those guys are gone. So throughout the year, like I'm sure new names will pop up that we're, we haven't even mentioned Especially yet. Especially on the running back side. They're kind yeah. of set up there to succeed, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, defensive line I think is more uh, you're looking at potential, not necessarily – Whereas at running back, I think Blake Corum and to a lesser extent Edwards have already shown you what they can do a bit. Yeah. Um, so Chad Lance, Michigan State or Michigan? <laughs> What's the most? <laughs> what is the most likely? I don't. I don't know if I want to answer this. Question. <laughs> okay, we can move on. There's only one. Only one of those things I want to happen, and that's Michigan State winning the Big Ten. But I don't think that's going to happen. And we'll talk more about that on the other side. But real quick, special shout out to uh, Michigan legend Carol Hutchins, uh, U of M softball coach. She announced her retirement. Uh, she won 22 regular big se- regular season Big Ten titles, including 12 of the last 13 seasons. Uh, she won Big Ten Big Ten tourney titles, went to a College World Series 12 times, and won a national title in 2005. She built the program. She deserves a major shout out. Yeah. Um, I would be okay with it being called Hutchins Hall going forward, uh, Michigan's athletic office. Um, but I'm sure that would create a controversy and throw called Beeline Boulevard. <laughs> I'd be okay with that. I'd move to that street. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, on the other side, we can talk Michigan State. Michigan State's kicking off on Friday night against Western Michigan. I'm guessing it should be a win for Michigan State, a pretty ballsy, take. easy, easy win at that. <laughs> you know, like I don't think there's a whole lot to talk about. Well, there are some storylines to get into. First off, there are some familiar faces. Uh, Jaden Reed is going to be playing against his old team. A lot of people forget that he actually played his freshman year at Western Michigan back in 2018, and this is his first time playing against Western Michigan now. Western Michigan also has Ladarius Jefferson, who I believe will be their starting running back this fall, uh, former Michigan State hybrid back who transferred in the middle of the 2019 season. Also, Peyton Thorne's dad, I believe Jeff Thorne, is now the he's the brand new offensive coordinator for Mich- for Western Michigan, making this game uh, a game of thorns. So <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah. So Western, they were decent last year. Obviously, you saw them uh, against Michigan where they didn't look so good. I think Michigan beat them 47-14. And then uh, they also had some losses to – At the uh, time, we thought it was more of a case of uh, Western stinking and Michigan – They they had some losses like a 34-15 loss to Toledo, a 12-point loss to Central. But they also won at Pitt, uh, beat one at Buffalo. Uh, They lost to Eastern Michigan, but – Eastern Michigan is so good. Go Eagles. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they kind of are. Yeah. The I don't Caps, know if you were being sarcastic or not, but just they, a little bit. Uh, uh, Green's done well there, though. He has. They, they capped the season with a quick lane bowl over Nevada in convincing fashion, 52 24. But uh, they do lose their quarterback, Ellaby. Sky Moore is now gone. He is with the Chiefs. So they're, they're going to have some holes to fill on offense. What I most, what I most want to see from Michigan State obviously is improved secondary play because they were, they were, there were a lot of factors, but they just were not a good passing defense in 2021. So the fact that they were still able to win 11 games, despite the past defense being so bad, I, I tip my cap to that, but you also got to get better because 
some of those games were not fun to watch, even though you Michigan State was winning. I wasn't having a good time watching some of them. <laughs> so in this game, I'll be interested to see what the defense looks like. As I mentioned, I've mentioned this before, but they've been coming out with the four-two-five defense, but there seems to be an excess of linebackers now. Whereas in the past, like in 2020, I think they literally had three linebackers on the roster. And then last year brought in a bunch of transfers and Cal Halliday was just a redshirt freshman. So Maybe they stuck with the four-two-five for that, but now Aaron Brule and Jacoby Winman are in. Granted, they can both play a DN spot too, which it sounds like Winman especially has been playing it. Some has been moonlighting at defensive end, but Halliday's got another year under his belt. Ben Van Summeren, Manaute Ote are there. I, I feel like and Darius Snow is now a linebacker. Guys, I haven't mentioned before like Carson Castile, uh, Malik Spencer could also see some time. So I feel like. Now would be a good time to try to introduce more of the traditional 4-3 or 3-4 maybe versus the 4-2-5 because they have a lot of good, talented linebackers. And if you're only playing two at a time, it's going to be difficult to get them on the field, and I think you're going to see some of the younger younger guys hit the transfer portal. Linebackers a better uh, position group than defensive line right now, in your opinion? Mm -mm. No, you think defensive line poses? Well, I, I need to see how Chris Bogle translates, but he was he was really good at Florida. Um, well, defensive tackle, I think, is the strongest position on the defense, but linebacker is right behind it. So I okay. guess I, I would say defensive line is the strongest just based on what the tackles can do. Uh, but linebackers, like the, I, I just think there's a lot more depth now. Mm. So I part of me thinks they were doing the 4-2-5 out of necessity, but we'll see. Maybe they stick with it. Maybe that's what they do, and they'll like find a way to keep everybody fresh. I have confidence that the defensive line will still be good at shutting down the run. You want to see them run a 4-3? I think so. Okay. Well, you know, four down linemen, three linebackers, okay. four defensive backs. I wasn't sure if you wanted a 4-3 or a 3-4. Yeah. But like, maybe experiment with the 3-4, depending. But, you know, it's, it's nitpicking. Yeah. Again... West, they shouldn't. If, if they look bad against Western Michigan with a new starting quarterback and Sky Moore is gone, granted, Western has a tradition of having some good receivers there, like Greg Jennings and Corey Davis, yeah, uh, Daniel Braverman. Like, they, they usually have some pretty decent talent. Jaden Reed was there. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't want to see any big red flags Friday night against Western Michigan that will make me think. Oh no, we're we're in for another season of this. So I just want them to win comfortably. I think they should because I again Western's breaking in some new players and the defense has to be better. Like I I think they will be. I think they plugged in some talent from the transfer portal at the right positions. I think they've done a good job of recruiting size and speed from across the country and I think this year will be the year that you start to see some Mel Tucker recruits really produced. Not that we didn't see any freshmen the last couple of years produce, but now it'll, I think you'll really start to see that tide turn in recruiting. So I think they should win. And then offensively, you know, 2020, I, I think they were mostly working with the D'Antonio playbook because they just really didn't have any practice time. And that was a, even, even before COVID shut everything down, that was a brand new staff starting in at, almost at the end of February. Like, so they just, they were kind of pressed to install their own offense. And then 2021, Kenneth Walker comes in 
if you have a star player like that, you really need to feature them. And yeah, sometimes obviously they relied on Kenneth Walker. So what I'm watching for on the offense for Friday night, what's the attack going to look like? Cause now I think you're in year three or you year two and a half really, but the offense should be installed. Now you kind of have more players for better or worse. There's no Kenneth Walker. So you're not going to have a player that you need to like feature and have the spotlight on, but you can spread the ball around and probably be more true to what they want to do. Uh, I did a, I did more of a roster breakdown on our last episode. So I'm not going to get into that too much now, but I'm, and I'm also want to keep an eye on the running back situation. Who's going to, who's going to get the first start. Do they use like what kind of situations do we see different players in? Like, is Harold Joyner still going to be that third down back that he was in 2021? Uh, how is Jordan Simmons going to be used? How's Elijah Collins going to be used? You know, there, there are quite a few miles to feed. Uh, Davion Prim was somebody, a retro freshman, who got a lot of talk in spring ball uh, from the running back room. Like, the coaches were saying he's really standing out. He just moved over to cornerback. So I think that was partially they want to get him on the field. Partially there's just too many mouths to feed in the running back room. And I think Berger and Broussard are probably going to be the main focus, which makes sense. You know, they're coming in from big time. Well, Colorado's not a big time program, but they're coming in from <laughs> power five conferences. It and once was. And they've, then shown, they've shown that they can produce in power five conferences. So, you know, Colorado is not a big time program. I know all the I know all the Buffalo fans are listening. <laughs> all two of you. Uh, but, I mean, <laughs> the days of Cordell Stewart, the 1991 uh, national championship, uh, blah, yeah. blah, blah. Those are all long gone. Um, so, yeah, well, I think it'll be a more balanced attack. You know, last last time I mentioned. Very excited to see what the right wide receivers do behind Reed and Mosley. Like those are two proven guys. You have guys who have done it in spot duty, like Montori Foster and Christian Fitzpatrick. Naylor was a good receiver. In your yeah, Naylor's in gone. Uh, they really played the last four regular season games without Naylor because he got hurt in the first half of the Michigan game, and then we didn't see him until the bowl game against Pitt. Mm. Um, so that was where you saw more of Montori Foster making plays. But he really made plays against like Maryland and Penn State at home. In the road games, we didn't see too much of him, but we did see more Trey Mosley making plays. I mean, nobody was really making plays in the Ohio State game, so can't hold that against him. <laughs> uh, so I'm excited to see which freshman play. Like, is is Jeremy Bernard going to see the field right away? It sounds like he's likely to play as a true freshman and not, you know, do like the four games in red shirt. But another true freshman wide receiver who's been getting some talk from the coaches is Tyrell Henry, who's kind of – he's not as big, but he's like more of the speedster type, maybe like a Keyshawn Martin or Jaden Reed type, somebody who you see returning kicks and punts, but also being featured on offense. Sounds like he's a dark horse candidate to see the field as a true freshman. So I'm excited to see if he cracks the rotation on Friday night. But I think it should be a balanced attack offensively. I expect – Peyton Thorne to win the game of thorns against his dad. Uh, I think that would be pretty bad if, if uh, he lost to his dad as a first game of as offensive coordinator. Hopefully he's not giving away any uh, uh, secrets heading into yeah. the game. Um, so I don't really have too much to say. Like I, I think Michigan State should win. I think they're favored by 20.5. Uh, 
haven't really seen enough Mel Tucker to know like what his style is in these games, but I remember the days of Mark D'Antonio, you know, state would kick off on Friday night against like Youngstown state or Western Michigan and clearly be the better team, but they would only win like 28 to six or 27, 13. Mm -hmm. And part of that was because D'Antonio was just like, Hey, we just need to win. We don't need to give away our full playbook, you know, but now in the era of like trying to get everybody on the field, trying to not just win, but get style points to impress the committee and everything is, is Mel Tucker going to be more of a uh, run up the score type coach? You know, mm-hmm. we, we haven't seen that yet because I don't think there's been enough opportunity. Like the only like real blowout game from 2021 was week two against Youngstown State. And that was 42 to 14. And he didn't really put in the backups until the fourth quarter. So interested to see if he will keep his if, if Michigan State, let's say like Michigan State gets up to a 17 nothing lead. Uh, right before halftime and they like get a field goal. So let's say like Michigan State's up 20 to nothing at halftime. And like, are they going to keep their foot on the gas and win like 41 to seven? Or are they going to go into cruise control? Don't give away too much and say like win 31 to 14 or something like that. Right. So I expect Michigan State to win. But again, I just don't, we're still pretty early in the Mel Tucker era to know like what his (laughs) tendencies are. In terms of season predictions, I've kind of talked myself into believing more in this team. If you asked me a month ago, leading up to that point, I would have said, yeah, I think they'll be good, but they'll probably win like eight games. But That's my basement. Yeah, I think anything less than eight would be a huge disappointment. I'm really expecting 10. Like I think they lose to Ohio State and then – between the group of Wisconsin, Michigan, and Penn State, like play Michigan and Penn State on the road, I think they lose one of those games. I have six games that I put bullet points next to. Yeah. So, I mean, if you ask me, going on yeah, going on the road to Washington is an iffy one. And um, Minnesota. Yeah, I was going to bring that up. Because um, I think Michigan State's oh, yeah. a better team than Washington, but you're going out there. Big Ten doesn't have a great record on the West Coast. Depending on how that game goes, you know, it's a Saturday night game. You come back home to East Lansing the next week. And Minnesota, not a lot of people talked about them last year, but I believe they won eight or nine games despite losing their top four running backs. And I think Minnesota will have a bit of a Didn't they kind of stink in 2020? I think that might have been part yeah, of it. Yeah, they too. had high expectations and stuff. But, I mean, so did Michigan in 2020. Yeah, but Michigan stunk less because they beat their ass. <laughs> like, that's, uh, that's the one game Michigan looked good in. So that's, that's an iffy game as well to be looking at, you know, depending on how the Washington game goes, let's say Michigan State goes out to Washington and wins by double digits, you could be at risk of like a hangover coming home against Minnesota. If, if Ibrahim is healthy, he's maybe one of the – he's one of like the top three running backs in the Big Ten, I'd say, behind Henderson and Braylon Allen for Wisconsin. So that the Minnesota one is definitely not a gimme. Uh, I look at the game at Illinois the week after the Michigan game. One thing that Mark D'Antonio did really well was – the week after the Michigan game, he won every year up until 2016, I think. And Mel Tucker, you know, very famously is 2-0 and against Michigan, but you look at the follow-up games the next week. 2020, they went on the road and lost 49-7 to at Iowa. 2021, they went on the road and lost 40-29 to at Purdue. So, you know, maybe they beat Michigan, but then they go to Illinois and lose 
42 to 31, you know, so I, I kind of got that game circled as well, which would kill me because, you know, I, I hate Brett Bielma. So <laughs> big Bert, 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 so I look, I look at some games like uh, Western and Akron, Rutgers, Indiana, Maryland, I kind of have circled, but like I said, I think Maryland will be back down to earth by the time they play Michigan state that they Michigan state should beat Maryland um, I don't know what to expect out of Maryland. Yeah, it's hard. Indiana to say. and Rutgers, all three. I'm gonna say Michigan State goes ten and two, losing to Ohio State and losing to Penn State. I want to beat Penn State, but I think it's harder when you go to Happy Valley. Like yeah, James, it is. when James Franklin comes to your stadium, he's gonna lay an egg. But if <laughs> if you if you go to Happy Valley at the end of the year, he outsmarts himself because he, he made does. he made things really hard. Uh, on Ohio State, that was a close game because he kind of slowed down the pace with running it a lot. Against Michigan State, he tried doing the same thing, but he was having, like, no success running yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, their offensive line, unless it's, like, really improved, but last year it was terrible. Yeah. So, I mean, if you think Michigan State has a really good defensive line, that could be something. Yeah. Penn State, they also, like, they usually have an offensive player – who's a no-name at the start of the year, kind of by the end of the year, be – you can say that about a lot of teams, but Penn State usually does. And I think Parker Washington's going to be one of the best receivers in the Big Ten. I – Michigan Penn State go after a lot of the same players yeah. and stuff, and I think Harbaugh's recruited pretty well here. But I feel like James Franklin has been, like, just a touch better, uh, especially yeah. on handing on stars. He's a great recruiter. Yeah. <laughs> he outsmarts himself, and sometimes he's just straight-up dumb. I have six games really like bullet point that I think Michigan State will probably win two to four of. They'll either go four and two or two and four. Would somewhere in between there would be yeah. my guess. Um, Maryland, uh, Washington, Michigan, Ohio State, Wisconsin, and Penn State. So yeah. pretty similar. Um, it's I'm kind of like you where I'm like chalking up Maryland, Rutgers, and Indiana as wins, but there's been times where those teams have been just awful in the last 10 years. Yeah. And then there's also been times where they've kind of shown they can be dangerous. Yeah. And then there's those road games like Washington and Illinois that I'm like, Michigan state is a better team than those two, but going on the West coast to play Washington, you know, pack 12 track record at the week after playing Michigan, like those have me concerned. Yeah. And, uh, as big 10, when they go out to pack 12 stadiums, don't have the best record. And then, uh, uh, when they come out here, when the Pac-12 comes to Big Ten, like the Big Ten tends to win a lot. Yeah. And it's because it's a hard road game. It's not just taking the bus right. 90 minutes somewhere. It's, you know, what what time does that game start? Okay, a that set, will help. Seven, if, yeah. if that was a noon game, yeah. that would have been really rough. But also, I mean, Washington is uh, – uh, their fans will be wild there. Yeah. Well, it sounds like there's going to be a decent amount of state fans there. I know they've uh, done – uh, they've had some good seasons in the last 20 years, but people forget that Washington's a pretty big football school. Yeah. And until like Oregon really started getting the Nike money, Washington was probably the second biggest behind USC. Right. Washington, like only two Pac-10 teams or Pac-12, I guess, only two Pac-12 teams have made the playoffs, and that's Oregon and Washington in the first two out of the first three years. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody. And I, nobody since those four years where they had. Um, what was the coach, the former Bo- Boise coach? Uh, Peterson. Yeah. they. If he would have stayed there, they, he was building something there. They yeah. were really good. And they've had some good quarterbacks, too. Uh, like, I believe it was Browning. 
uh, Locker mm-hmm. have been pretty good. Now they got Michael Penix there from Indiana, who's given Michigan State fits, but and he's in a battle, right? Have yeah. They the also, just knowing like he's coming off two straight season-ending injuries, you know, who knows if he'll be what he was. In Indiana, they shoot themselves in the foot with some of their offensive coordinator hires. They yeah. had uh, uh, the former Michigan quarterback who stunk. Was it Sheridan or yeah. three? Nick Sheridan. I knew it was one of those yeah. 08 quarterbacks. Yeah, and like if, when they had offensive success, it seemed to be in spite of the uh, quarterback. And then yeah. they also had Mike DeBoard, I believe, who stunk at Michigan. Well, I, I don't know why they keep uh, picking up <laughs> Michigan's trash. Um, yeah, you guys can have um, those guys. We'll take my cart from you. Thank you. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, I, I, I expect Michigan State to beat Minnesota. I just see that as a game they could lose. It's gonna be, I think it's going to be a stressful game. They're going to somehow win at least two, yeah. and they could even go four and two. I could see and like and finish ten and yeah. two. And like depending on what happens, like obviously I could see my opinion on the Michigan game changing drastically. Uh, but right now I'm I'm I feel a little confident that Michigan State can and will go in. They're both going to be coming off of bye week, so that's going to be such an interesting thing to look at. I think it was the first time ever that Michigan and Michigan State have both had a bye week going into the game. It was also weird to me that despite Michigan losing to Michigan State last year, I somehow felt better coming out of that game. Yeah. Seeing the passing game move like that, seeing what Aiden Hutchin was able to do, like certain calls that were called back, it still just showed potential. And the fact that they had the game won, and even though they lost, it was like, I kind of felt like more confident after that because before that game, I felt like Michigan was one-dimensional. They could run the ball, but they couldn't pass. And coming out of that game, it's like they kind of went on a roll and heading into the yeah, heading into the week against Ohio State, I was actually feeling confident, which, yeah. as you know me, I haven't felt that way in a <laughs> long time. Uh, but, yeah, getting getting back to uh, Michigan State, like um, kind of seeing them as like the second or third best team in the Big Ten East will yeah. be interesting. Um, um, and probably second or third best team in the conference. Yeah. And the, their non-conference isn't the hardest. Like you open with Western and Akron. Like if Washington was coming to Spartan Stadium and not vice versa, I think it would be a pretty easy 3-0. and Like I would put that in in pen. But that would be a lot like Michigan's 2020 schedule. Yeah. Uh, playing Western, having if they had Washington at home. Yeah. Uh, would be one other Mac team thrown in there. Yeah, who who else did they play? Like it was Northern no Illinois, the Rocky Lombardies. Oh yeah, that's right. Uh, my all time favorite Spartan is Rocky Lombardi. <laughs> He's a good one. <laughs> um, I don't really have too much to say. If I had to put a prediction down, I'd say Michigan State wins thirty four to thirteen on Friday night. If you want a position by position hardcore preview, you did that last yeah. week. Uh, oh, also, yeah, I didn't mention Malik Carr. I think there's been a lot of talk about him in the off season as like the the guy to take over as tight end low key. Like not, not many like pundits are talking about the fact that they brought in Daniel Barker from Illinois, but I think that's going to be a really sneaky, good tight end combination. But I really want to see if Malik Carr is going to live up to the hype. Granted, you know, if he doesn't do it week one, that's not the end of the world, but it would be really cool to see Friday night. Like say Malik Carr catches four passes for 52 yards and a touchdown. Like, I think that would be good. You know, I think uh, my prediction real quick is I think Michigan State wins 37-17 to 17 against Western. Okay. Um, Any predictions for Michigan-Colorado State? Hmm. Real, I did want to add something about that. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I, I, Brad Robbins and Jake Moody as the kickers and punters. Uh, 
I think that's also something I didn't touch on. I think that works in Michigan favors. Yeah. It feels like they've been the starters there forever. <laughs> uh, it sounds like they're uh, going to uh, have A.J. Henning and Roman Wilson as the returners. Uh, and Joe and Joe Taylor. Um, uh, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm really glad they didn't put uh, – <laughs> I'd say Michigan beats Colorado State 48-7. Uh, to 48-7. to Yeah. Like I said, I, I – I don't know I, what the spread is on that. Yeah, I'm actually looking that up right now. I usually kind of base it. It looks like they're uh, uh, favored by 27, Michigan is. Um and that, that's me knowing nothing about Colorado State. It's kind of funny, even though I've done, like, previews and stuff, for some reason I know less about uh, uh, Colorado State than even uh, UConn and uh, Hawaii. Um, it looks like uh, it's expected to have 59 points scored. You do 27, uh, maybe um, 40. I would, like, make it, like, 43 to 16. Yeah. Uh, I'll do 42 to 14, maybe okay. 45, 14, right around there. Sweet. Yeah. I'll, let's say 45, 14. That's what I see 14. Michigan won, winning by. And I said 37, 17 in Michigan State's favor for, you know. Good teams win, great teams cover. Right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, first you lose big, then as you improve, you lose close, then you win close, and then by the time it's time for uh, national championships, you won big. Yep. That's what Bobby Bowden used to say. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, other than that, uh, thanks for listening to this podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Paul Bunyan Pod. You can find us, listen to us wherever wherever podcasts are sold. Yeah, and feel free to rate us. It gives what is known as social proof that you're listening to and enjoying the podcast. Um, you told them all of our social media they can find us at. Basically and, Twitter, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Facebook needs to step their game up. Um, uh, maybe we need to step our game up on Instagram and YouTube. Um, but, yeah, we should start releasing weekly now, covering uh, all games. And then when football and basketball is going on, it gets real crazy and really fun. And um, we got down, we got funky, and we got fresh. Please listen next time. All right.